0: Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just sixty bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. we had such a special thing with, the, with that the version of NXT that it's almost like a death. going through a death you know i don't want to compare it to somebody dying but it was like it was like we lost this huge special thing that we've all worked so hard to have scott
1: garland how are you doing good how are you i'm i'm really good thank you am i am i legally allowed to call you scotty too hotty i know sometimes it's a bit of a gray area
0: most people are, but you can call me whatever you want. Oh, hello! This is already
1: off yeah, from a great start. Yeah, <laughs> no. I, uh, I have questions about about being a fireman before we start. Okay,
0: okay. I don't know if I can answer them, but we'll
1: do our well, Fire away. Well, because obviously you had a little bit of time as training as a fireman. If I'm right, I did.
0: I tried. So this is the deal on the firefighter thing: is I trained. Uh, when I was 40 years old, so I don't know how many I can. I'm not good at math, so. so uh, I, I decided to go through the Fire Academy a few years back. And uh so I went through fire, went through the paramedic the EMT part of it, and then started volunteering and uh decided it wasn't for me. So I never saw any um uh, never saw any real fires. Um, went to a couple of car accidents and stuff like that. But then from what they tell me, like that's kind of the job now, but with uh with cell phones and smoke detectors and 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 uh all the new uh all the new fire preventative stuff there aren't a lot of full full fires anymore i mean you see them right but
1: mm. uh, did they let you go down the pole or not
0: you know what the only fire pole i've been down was in um, aberdeen when i went over there to do uh, a show over there they they took me to a fire station and uh, i went down the pole so
1: what was it like it was it, did over- it hurt I knew, you knew you were getting the big questions scott you knew you were getting the big questions
0: usually it's like hey did that share over the head hurt we're starting out with a pole, fire, pole. fire pole yeah yeah i'm hardcore dude I'm hardcore
1: um did you ever get to use a fire i know obviously you didn't attend a fire but did you learn how fire hydrants work because they look very complicated
0: yeah we had to yeah we had to learn how to, how to use them but i couldn't tell you now like honestly, dude, I'm useless if there's a fire. I'm just as good <laughs> as you. <laughs> it's been so long, and it's kind of like one of those things. It's kind of like in wrestling; you learn. It's like I guess it's like this in anything, right? You learn all of this stuff that you know you're never going to have to use, but you have to know it to pass the test. With yeah, with you. So, right.
1: So you know, and, so, yeah, you you say you're useless, but at least you know to work the hydrant. You've worked a pole before um were you ever offered hey easy
0: with that work easy with working that pole people are going to take that they're going (laughs) to take that little clip right there and run with it
1: hey hey look if people decide to clip off the bit where scott says you can work the pole that's on them but um the the, also in your limited time where you were training uh and and going through the process did you ever get asked to do a calendar because most firefighters i know end up doing calendars (laughs)
0: No, not yet. <laughs> okay. uh, but I haven't, I haven't given up hope, though. You know,
1: there's time, there's time.
0: Right. Well, that, right.
1: that's all the questions for the interview. Thanks for coming. Today. All right, oh, no. thanks, man. We'll Good talk talking about, to you. We'll talk about some wrestling, I suppose. That seems right. sensible. Uh, in particular, Scott, uh, the the desert island that we're going to metaphorically send you to. Uh, as
0: Where well. is this desert island, anyway? Uh, it,
1: it is, it is four hundred clicks of parts unknown. Uh, okay, so
0: it's right. It's just to the left of, just east of Margaritaville. That's right? it.
1: That's it. And it's yeah, and it's five mm-hmm. o'clock somewhere. And it's always yes. five o'clock on Cultaholic yes. Island.
0: Right,
1: <laughs> And while you're there uh, in Margaritaville, uh, we're going we're gonna to give you three wrestling matches that you can watch whilst you're there. Now, obviously, I want to talk about um, the, the journey that you're about to embark upon once again uh, as, uh, right. as, you, as you take on the wrestling world once more. I want to talk about how we got there. But I do want to talk about three wrestling matches that have meant something to, to Scott, past, present and future. So what would you like your first wrestling match to be that you would watch on the desert island, Scott? <laughs>
0: I would have to go to the the match that I always say made me want to be a wrestler was Steamboat Savage, WrestleMania 3.
1: Now, can you remember you know? the first time you saw this match?
0: Yeah, I was at, uh, this is uh, before we had pay-per-view. I grew up in Portland, Maine, and uh, we didn't have pay-per-view there yet, but they would do it on closed-circuit TV. So you'd go to an arena, basically, and you'd watch it on a TV. You'd pay to watch it on a big movie screen at an arena. And I would think I watched WrestleMania maybe three, four, five, six that way, three, four, five, I bet, um, with my dad and brother. Um, and uh, it, you know the the big match at WrestleMania three, of course, was Andre Hogan, which was phenomenal storytelling. But the the match that that really made me want to be a wrestler, I always say, is the Savage Steamboat. Like it was just, and it holds up. I, you know I watched it recently, and it still holds up to me.
1: You said in previous interviews as well that you were never, you weren't like a Hulk Hogan guy. You were more into the smaller guys. And that kind right. of is a great example of of smaller guys tearing it up, isn't it?
0: Right. I mean, and, and what's funny is they're not, Steamboat and Savage aren't small guys, right? But in the wrestling world at the time, mm-hmm. what, they were probably 225, 230 you know, but in the wrestling world at the time, they were small guys, and I could relate to them a little bit better, and, you know, I like the athletic style. Now, I wasn't a Hogan fan at the time, but um, when I saw Hogan for the first time in Portland, Maine in person, dude, the pop on his, when his music hit was unreal, and, you know, as I've got more into wrestling over the years, I've, I've come to appreciate what he did and what he does, you know, he's the, he's the, the one of the best that that working an audience you know
1: what's a moment from the steamboat savage match that always stays with you when people talk about
0: it? Uh, i just honestly do i think it was just the action i don't know if you can really pinpoint one moment in that match it was just the action that wasn't really seen at that time if it feels like to me like you know um it's more of a style that's worked today, the faster, p- the faster pace and uh, those beautiful steamboat arm drags, you know. Um, and two, just, I mean, you talk about the ultimate baby face versus the ultimate heel at the time with Savage, you know, with the Elizabeth and the George Steele on the outside. Like, it's awesome, right?
1: What was the atmosphere like at those closed circuit showings? Because a few people that we spoke to on this show say like their first uh, instance of, of seeing wrestling was at these closed circuit Theater shows. I mean, we didn't get that over here so much. Was really. there, was it was it like being at an arena with like the, with 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 cheers and boos and stuff? Was it a bit more subdued? What was it like?
0: No, it was. It was like being in the arena, from what I remember. You know, I was a little kid, but um, it, it, it felt like it was a special feeling. Like you knew there was something special happening. You know, all the WWE was just WWF was exploding at the time, and you just starting starting to see you know the WrestleMania thing take off and like you just felt like this was something cool and something something special and it looking back it was you know what 38 39 years later it was you know was something special
1: uh, how much time um i mean when did you discover wrestling to begin with because obviously that's a match that stays with you and you're a young guy going with your your dad and your brother to go and see it but when did you first but... uh, when did you first discover wrestling can you remember my that?
0: first the first memory is um like Slaughter, Sergeant Slaughter and um, Iron Sheik doing something on like a Saturday afternoon show. I can remember seeing that. I can remember going to a match when I was about five years old um, and Andre the Giant was there. Um, this was a WWF show. Um, and this would have been before WrestleMania. Uh, I was, like I said, I, was like five, I remember I fell asleep. Andre is the only guy I remember being there. Um but those are really my first memories. And then right around WrestleMania was the first round WrestleMania is when I got hooked and, and watched every single WrestleMania ever since. And, and uh, you know, yeah, I just.
1: Am I right in thinking that you turned um, your, your family garage into the, the wrestling arena? Yeah. Your friends. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So how yeah. many, how many friends uh, were you knocking around with at that point who were into wrestling? Was it a big thing? Was it a big part of your time at school?
0: so it was me so it was me and another guy who lived down the street we were like obsessed with wrestling and uh, well I I found out he liked wrestling and I was like dude this guy's just like me like he's obsessed but then I I went to his house and he had pictures with like Roddy Piper and Randy Savage and I was like what the like this dude is like way in deep like you know when he's like this is like pictures out back in the arenas you know in the backstage area and uh his, his mom was friends with an old time wrestler named Jackie Nichols. And that's how Jackie Nichols would bring him back to meet these guys. But then, but then this guy, his name was Gino. Gino and I met this guy, these other two guys at a show, um, in Lewiston, Maine. And like, they were obsessed with wrestling also. And, but they had like, you know, belts they had made and they had like, you know, spandex tights and pants and boots. And like, so the four of us, started hanging out and then we built this makeshift gar- uh, ring in my mom's garage like you were talking about with all of the the mattresses and, uh, and dude that's how we learned was was in that in my mom's garage and then we met a guy who had a ring um, who lived about an hour from us and uh, we would drive down set up the ring at his house outside and and we would practice and then we'd take down the ring and put it away
1: well, I like the fact as well that it was it was in grade school that you learned the move that you become the mo that would become most synonymous with you it was the first right. time you busted out the the worm was when yeah. you were in grade school so can you can you recall the first time you did it like all the way back in grade school and like what was the yeah, i mean
0: well no we used to drag out the cardboard you know and break dance at recess you know like i would say it's like fourth fifth grade maybe and uh it's when break dancing was really popular and uh we would do all the backspin and the, the moonwalk and the you know the the, the worm and, and uh you know who knew that you know so many years later that that would be what I would be known for and uh, what what really put me on the map you know and so. Will you begin to? Break we'll, see, dancing? we'll see how that's working out when I'm seventy. But <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, we'll worry about that in in many years time. Will you right. will you begin to break dancing then, Scott?
0: Oh, yeah. What, in grade school? Mm. Oh, yeah. that's That was the only kind of dancing I ever did. Yeah, it was, was uh, breakdancing.
1: Who were some of the people that inspired you in breakdancing?
0: Oh, it was just, like, the movie, like, Break In and Break In 2, Electric Boogaloo. Those movies were out. Those were really popular, you know? So it was, like, like Turbo and what was the other dude's name? Uh, something Ice. It wasn't Ice-T, but it was something. Maybe it was just T or t Bird or something, like, T-Bone or something T. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's that's those are the guys I watched.
1: Um, when did you decide? Obviously, cause you, you you know you got the mattresses out and you've and you you've got the connection with the rig and stuff. Was it was it around that time? Even when you were in, messing about in the garage, that you knew this was going to be something you wanted to do, like as a wrestler.
0: Dude, I don't remember it really ever being something that I didn't want to do. You know, like I just felt it when I was younger. Like this is this is what I want to do. My whole life, I never had. a aspiration to do anything else you know and and, you know i've gotten my in the ring for the first time when i was like 15 years old that was once once that happened it was had my first match when i was 16 and it pretty much took off when i was after 16 i was working somewhere around new england every weekend you know two three times sometimes
1: i admire the fact that um when you decided, actually, this is what I want to be, I need to cut out all the nonsense between A and B. I'm just going to ring Vince. I'm just going to call Vince McMahon. <laughs> um, which, is, which is what you did, is it what you at least attempted to do.
0: Well, I wrote to him. I wrote to him. I found the address in the, um, the back of the WWF magazine and wrote, and wrote to him. And I don't know if it was directly to him, but uh, it was to the company and asked where they got, the, what wrestling school... That they got you know suggested we go to you know my friends and i and i got a letter back from sue agentson who's still part of the company now and just said that they don't really they don't really draw from one particular school but um you know basically good luck and uh, i still have the letter so it's pretty cool
1: fast forward a touch to 1989 you're in an armory there's boxing matches and there's your first wrestling match on thanksgiving night um, yeah. You're, you're backstage. You're about to go out for the first one. What's going through your head at this point, Scott?
0: Uh, who knows? I mean, dude, it was 30, what, 31 years ago, 30, 30, 32 years ago, right? Um, I just, I mean, I do remember being back there, but I just, I remember being nervous. I just watched the match recently. I just put it up on my new YouTube channel and uh, I could just see how nervous I am, you know? But I mean, think of 16 years old. I just turned 16 earlier that summer. Here I am in front of an audience who isn't really there to see wrestling; they're there to see boxing. You know, I remember there was one idiot who just kept yelling out, "Give him a clothesline!" like over and over and over through this match because, like, that's the only thing he knew. You know, some drunk guy. But um, uh, great, dude! My my journey has been so awesome, and I'm so thankful for it all. It's been it couldn't have been written any better. You know,
1: I think what people uh, people are going to learn this all over again is that like you have been part of. In particular, the WWF for, for 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 such a long time. We do um we do a show where we watch um we're watching every week of Monday Night Raw from 1993. Till, like whenever whoever falls over first um, yes. and uh, and it's amazing to see like even like there there you are you're front and center on right. so many episodes of Raw like long before we met Scotty Too Hottie there's Scott Taylor and he's in the mix yeah. with everybody like you were you were doing WWF stuff when you were still in in high school like is that yeah. is, is that a weird place to be when when WWF and wrestling is so popular and you're kind of on the on the periphery at of it whilst you were at school
0: yeah, well, I, so I started in 91. I was a junior in high school and, uh, which is crazy to think back on now. Like I can't imagine that happening now. Like it was just a different time. Right. Um, but, uh, it, so it's funny because wrestling wasn't cool. Like in 91, like those couple of years right there, 91, 92, then, you know, raw, what rock came on in 93. Right. And, uh, I think I was on the My first Raw was like the third episode of Raw from the Manhattan Center with Bam Bam Bigelow. But, you know, once Raw started to take off and it started to become cool, it was it was cool, you know, but I kept it kind of hidden the first few years because I was worried about what people were going to think, you know.
1: Did anybody ever? But surely people would have seen or was it a case because it wasn't cool? Like by acknowledging you, they revealed their dirty, dark secret that they were wrestling fans, was it? Almost like a speakeasy type thing. <laughs>
0: um, no, I mean everybody. Everybody, once it started to come out, it, it was everybody was cool with it, you know. Um, but I would be the guy. I'd be wearing like the Zubaz pants, the, the, the tiger, tiger, the tiger striped pants, and then with the cowboy boots on. You know, the Zubaz tucked into the cowboy boots because I saw the wrestlers doing it. You know, because i I would show up to the arenas early to try to meet guys, and I'd see like. Guys like Shawn Michaels and Pat Tanaka wearing their cowboy boots with their zubas tucked into them. So I would dress like that when I went to school, and they would, uh, you know, of course, get made, made fun of. You know,
1: but, but you but you were inspired to to buy cowboy boots based on what you were seeing the guys wearing backstage.
0: Dude, that was my whole life, my whole world. Everything everything revolved around wrestling. You know, and really, it was WWF because that's all I really. A little bit of. Um, you know, a little bit of NWA before it became WCW, I guess. And then but we didn't really get uh WCW up in where I live. Like very rarely would they come up to our area. And it was the closest they would come was about two hours away. So I grew up just a, you know, a WWF fan.
1: But with, with the stuff at the Manhattan Center says so you're getting on T V now, is there any any words that you, of, of wisdom that you were given from anybody during those those early years in the WWF where we're still sort of cowboy boot wearing, Zubaz wearing, Scott Taylor trying to find his voice? Was there any bits of, any pearls of wisdom that you were given by some of the guys that stayed with you?
0: Uh, not, not, nothing really sticks out I, I could think of, you know? Yeah. Um... I don't know. I mean, the, the go-to is everybody always says, oh, save your money, save your money." You know, all the old guys would be to save your money, which yeah, they're right. But I'm also one of those people who are like, no, spend your money and live your life now, dude. Like, you don't know what tomorrow's going to be, you know. And that's kind of what I've always lived by, you know.
1: Was that stuff that you would have imparted, that you were imparting to to other talent um, when you were behind the scenes at WWE when the when the roles were reversed? Were you were you encouraging them to spend money, or were you like, ah, just go and spend it?
0: Go live it. No, no, don't. Well, don't just go blow it to blow it. Blow it all. I'm a guy who... (laughs) Yeah, no, don't blow it, but have experiences and live your life. And, you know, don't don't go buy mansions and expensive cars, but... But, you know, live life and, you know, have excellent experiences, you know, even with my kids now, like we don't do um, material things for Christmas. We do. We usually will take a trip somewhere, you know, and have those memories of a trip for the rest of their lives. Whereas, you know, if it's an iPhone or whatever, it's it's gone in a year or two, you know.
1: So so what gifts, what what uh, experiences have been um, gifted out at Christmas this year? Because We've just had Christmas as we're
0: recording this. Yes, so we're, we're still debating on where we're going to go. It's Like I said, it's, it's we've been taking a trip every year. The last two years has been Tennessee and uh, Nashville, Memphis, and like Dollywood area. Um, this year, um, with me going back to wrestling, the kids kind of want to go to a show. So I'm trying to like figure out... Um, where that's going to be at first at first we were going to go to the Carolinas in January. Cause I have a couple shows up that way, but then I took a booking in Maine, which is where I grew up and my family is. So now the kids want to go to Maine, but February in Maine sounds awful to me. So as far as going on a holiday, you know, uh, going there to Russell's fine for a couple of days, but going there for an extended time in February is just sounds brutal because of the weather, you know, but, so we're we'll, so we're still working on it. Which we're still trying to figure out, but it'll be in the next month or month or two. I
1: was going to say they want to they want to come watch you do your thing. How how are your kids feeling about you getting back onto the circuit?
0: Oh, they're great. They're excited. They played a big part into the whole thing. You know, like they they saw where I was at mentally um, at WWE, and you know, I talked to them about what I wanted to do, and um, and they both were you know very supportive and and like, played a big part in my decision.
1: I think he's probably excited to watch you wrestling.
0: Oh, they're really excited, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, very excited, yeah.
1: Uh, let's get your second match then. So we've had Steamboat and Savage from WrestleMania 3, a belter between those two. What's your second match going to be, Scott?
0: Um, so a match that I, my go-to match at the performance center to show like the guys and girls in my class was Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Perfect. And it was kind of like a, it was like from prime time with, I can't remember what the name it was 91 and it was still, Sean was still in the rockers. Um, Marty was on the outside. He didn't start out down there. Uh, it was called like Stars and Stripes, I think was the name of the show it was on. It was like a special, I think, but I, I know it aired on primetime. There's a couple different versions out there with different commentary, like Vince. I think it's like Vince and Bobby Heenan doing one and then Lord Alfred Hayes and Monsoon maybe doing the other one, um, but definitely check it out. To me, it's a perfect wrestling match. with Perfect. like Storytelling is it's just beautiful. Like you can watch that match with the sound down. You see Mr. Perfect walk out, you know, smacking his gum with his walk. Even if you don't know who he is, you go, that's the bad guy. And then Sean comes out, you know, and he's rocker. Sean, he's jumping around You he goes, that's the dude I want to hang out with on Saturday night. You know, and he's fun. Right. And then it's just everything that they did, the storytelling throughout the whole match was just perfect. You know,
1: with and, and I
0: mean, this was, this was like, this was rocker, Sean. This wasn't top guy, HBK, Sean. Um, and, and perfect was intercontinental champion at the time. So.
1: that's why I'm quite intrigued by this one, because I think when people talk about like matches between Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect, you often think of like Shawn Michaels post-Rockers, but this is one during his time in the Rockers. So like he's not yeah. found his, his heel voice yet. And Mr. Perfect is at the top of his game as Intercontinental yeah. Champion. When you when yeah. you, you say you, this is one that you show to Performance Center uh, trainees and recruits, um what are some of the things that you, way, obviously we talked about like the mannerisms and stuff, what other things do you end up pointing out to recruits and trainees when you show them this match?
0: I think it's just the hardest thing I always say to teach is the timing and to slow down. It's hard to slow down because when you're young and nobody knows who you are, the only way you get reactions is by doing something, a big move, you know? So it's it's kind of a, um, it messes, it's, it's, it's it messes with your mind because you have these old guys telling you, okay, you got to slow down here. Like, but when you're new, nobody knows who you are. And so you have this old guy saying, slow down, don't do this. But then you have the talent in the ring going, but I'm getting this huge reaction by doing this. But you go, yeah, it's just, you have to like, you have to create those moments in between. It's not so much the moves that you do. It's the moments in between where you give that audience a chance to react and digest what just happened. You know? So when you watch a match like that, you see like the build with Sean and perfect, you see like, you know, uh I think Sean goes behind, but then perfect hits him with a, a, a lousy elbow, boom, you know? And it's like, it wasn't, it's not that like that, that's illegal. It was just a crappy thing to do. You know, like, yeah, you didn't have to do that. Boom. He hits him with it. And then, you know, Sean takes his time and he looks up, you know, he looks up at perfect from the mat. He's laying down, looking up. Like then to me, like that's a, a baby face laying down with a heel standing over him is such a great picture. You know, like it's easy to follow. Like we forget that not everybody watches this twenty four seven. Like we we sometimes when we're in it, we think, okay, we live this twenty four seven. Um, But that audience has a chance to go to a movie, a concert, a comedy show, wrestling show, maybe for the first time. Sometimes you have to, like, always you should spoon feed them your story. What are you trying to tell? What are you trying to get across? And sometimes you have to slow that way down, especially with cell phones now, because during the show, they're on their cell phones. So you only have half of their attention, you know, sometimes, not all the time, but. But Does that make sense? Yeah,
1: yeah. So this this is stuff that's um, the, the the use of of mobile phones and stuff, and just the way that we consume media has changed even wrestling, and I think a lot of people still struggle with that because you have yeah. you know you have got to sort of tell wrestling match stories in in, in tweets, in GIFs, in 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 tiktoks in 10 second bursts and and, right. and, that, and that's something that i think you know is the, the you know the, the fan of a certain vintage that i am i miss those times where you would t- have the 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 room to tell those long stories but you just kind of accept right. the audience has changed now and you have right. to uh, tweak what you do to right to, to cope right. with it you know you do right.
2: ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row
1: I have to touch very briefly on Too Cool. I have to really because it's, uh, sure. it's uh, yeah. such a big part of what you did, and the the, the partnership you had with Brian Christopher. Um, am I right in thinking it was like you? You guys found out you were being put together the night before WrestleMania. They went, "Oh, you're in." No, the it wasn't
0: or... the night before. It was the Wednesday before WrestleMania. Right. So about four or five days before WrestleMania, we found out. At least I found out. I don't know about him. But
1: how was your relationship like with Brian before then?
0: Before um, it was. Uh we weren't friendly. We were never super friendly up until we got closer in the last few years of his life, but we were never, even through too cool. We weren't really friendly. It was stressful at times, honestly. Um, We were just very different people. And, uh, and, but, uh, you know, I'm happy uh, now that the last couple of years, we, 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 we kind of, we got closer and we would actually talk through text or, you know, And then we kind of let all that stuff go. So it was, um, but but when we got put together, it wasn't, especially because he had been too sexy and then all of a sudden I'm too hot and we're too much. And I was kind of like, kind of biting on his character a little bit, you know, and I don't know how he felt about that, but I I, I can imagine looking in like, what the heck I was doing. Okay. By myself. And now all of a sudden, this guy's got, this guy's got kind of stealing my gimmick, you know?
1: Did you feel frustrated by the fact that it wasn't your gimmick as well?
0: Was there- Did I feel that way? Yeah. Did I feel no? Actually, I had wrestled as Scott Two Hot Taylor. That's how it all happened. I had wrestled as Scott Two Hot Taylor on the Independence uh, years before, mm. and uh, I actually pitched the idea to Vince McMahon in catering at WrestleMania. I, you know, I thanked him for putting putting us on, putting me on the show, and then told him, you know, hey, I you know I wrestled as Scott Two Hot Taylor a couple of years ago. And uh, he didn't say a whole lot, but next TV we got there and we were—they named the team too much, and I was too hot, and he was too sexy, and we were off and running. At least we had a little bit to grasp onto where we had both just kind of been floating around up to that point. You know
1: how? Um, how did you? Obviously, you've, you've suggested there that obviously you you didn't see eye to eye on a lot of things during sort of the height of sort of too much and too cool. So how does how do you you work in that? Situation whereby, whilst you know you're in a, you're in one of the the hottest acts, the hottest groups in the in the in, during the hottest time of wrestling, but you're not seeing eye to eye. How do you get by day to day on that?
0: Well, I think the, um you know when we well it, none of it mattered because when we went through that curtain, it was magic. You know and that's the only way to explain it. It was magic, dude. Like nobody knew. I think like, even when we were out there. There was never any type of hostility or anything it was like we were that was what you saw that was real happening but when we went back through the curtain we just kind of went we you know it's not that that we we didn't hate each other it was just like we kind of were different people and you know he kind of fell into the party wanted to party and he wanted to be grandmaster sexy most of the time and i was okay being scotty too hottie when i was in the ring and then putting it away for the rest of the day and when i went home you know I would say it's a very, scary, it's a very scary thing, and you'll, you'll see this happen. Um, you know, I've seen it happen a few times over the years, where somebody loves their character more than they love themselves, and it's a dangerous trap to fall into. And it's, a, but it is also an easy trap to fall into because you, you know, you go out to dinner, and uh, you know, the manager of the restaurant's a wrestling fan. That like, oh, I'm gonna, you know, we, we're gonna pick up your bill tonight, and you know, or they, everybody treats you a little bit better it's an easy trap to fall into, but you have to realize they're not really, they don't really like me. They like this character that I play on television, which, dude, trust me, getting your bill paid for is not a bad thing, right? (laughs) Because you just have to understand, you just have to understand and you have to be able to balance it all out.
1: Um, how did Rikishi fit into that? Because obviously, you say you weren't—it wasn't that you weren't friends. You and Brian—you were just different people. Um, mm-hmm. Did did Rikishi as when he was part of this other uh, group? Was it something that that brought you a bit close together? Was it something that was still three people who, away from it, were doing their own thing? How did how did he blend into it all?
0: Uh, he was—he and Brian, I think, traveled together. But Brian and but then I, I my my riding partners back in that time were like Kane. Kane, Edge, Valvinus, and uh, Funaki were my main, and uh, uh, Mick, Mick Foley, Al Snow. Those guys were the guys that I was r- riding with, and. You know, Brian was more with, with Rikishi and they, they kind of did their thing. You know, there were times where we would have appearances together and they would put us in a car together, but wasn't us, you know, by choice, you know, and it would do like, I don't want to make it sound like it was awful. It was oh, just, oh, no, like we no, weren't...
1: I know. We, it's, it's clear that it wasn't. It's, I, I get it. Yeah. It's the fact that it yeah. was. there was no bad blood, no animosity there, no, no tea, right. no hatchets or anything like that. It was just a case of we're two people who have great chemistry together as an in ring set. We're just yeah. slightly different people away from there.
0: Right, right. And you see it happen quite a bit. I think, you know, you saw it with the Road Warriors mm. um, and, other, and other, you know, Sean and Marty, you know, uh, you see it. And sometimes it's, it's almost, uh, it's it, not almost, it is like being married, you know, because, you know, everything you do depends on this other person. You know, I can remember Survivor Series 2000, but no, sorry, not Survivor Series, like King of the Ring 2000, we were uh, WWF Tag Team Champions. And, Call time is one o'clock, five o'clock rolls around and Brian still isn't at the arena. You know, so everybody's going, hey, where's Brian? Where's Brian? Like, I don't know. I'm not his babysitter. You know, it's, it's, you know, so like that would be stressful for stuff like that would be stressful for me. You know, I'm a guy who likes to be on time, whereas he, he, um, it does, didn't, you know, and I'm talking about hours, you know, or what we would say, Hey, uh, let's even, even like in the last couple of years, when we were together, we'd be doing independent shows and, and I would say, Hey, let's meet in the lobby at, you know, one o'clock or whatever. And uh, one o'clock would roll around and he wouldn't be down in the lobby. And then I'd go up and knock on his door. He'd open up the door. Like he was, you know, he was just sleeping, you know? So like that stuff just wears on you when you're doing 200 shows a year, you know?
1: you say before uh, before Brian passed that you guys um, got closer uh, through texting and calling and stuff was there a, was there an, uh, a moment or an incident or something that happened that that brought you closer together
0: um I, I know he got clean for a while you know he was he cleaned himself up and uh and I just think the, the the shows that we were doing, we didn't have the pressure of a large company, a WWE or whatever. Like we didn't have that pressure, so it was like, yeah. And I think you know he he I think he grew up a little bit in the last couple of years, and uh, I don't know. It was weird, man. It was like the last text that I have from him is him sending me a picture of his son who was wrestling in high school, and he was in his you know his high school wrestling outfit and uh so it was so we went back and forth about that kind of stuff the kids and stuff more than we ever had in our Daho lives you know and and uh my son uh did a maybe a two-week tour of um the uk back in like 15 2015 rikish brian rikishi and i and i brought my son keegan and uh you know he just treated keegan really good and and uh you know, maybe that was part of it. I, I don't know, but it was, it was, it was, I'm glad we had that time though.
1: Yeah. It's nice that you guys managed to, to leave on such a high note. essentially. Yeah. On such a for high For sure. Note. Um, you're, what you're about to embark on now is, is a, a, a taking over the world once again, which is great. And you did something similar in 2007. And, and I, I love the, I love the, the parallels here because I remember in 07 when it was announced that you'd gone from WWE and it was within like the, the click of a finger it seems like like suddenly you're everywhere you're you're you're, yeah. you're going all over the world again um yeah was the did it did it go that way or was was there was was it a slower process was the release something you were surprised by
0: I know, not surprised at all. Mm. Um, I actually I had signed a three- year contract the year before I was released in two thousand. so two thousand and six, it must have been. I signed a three- year contract. and I sat on that contract for about a month before I signed it. Like I was ready to be done then. And that was one of my biggest regrets was signing that last contract because I wanted to walk away on my own. And I didn't. And then in two thousand and seven, I had a back injury. And the day that I got cleared by the doctor to come back to work at WWE, they called me and released me. So they creative had nothing for me. Like, okay. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, you know, and then like the natural progression then was to go back to the independence. So um, this time feels a lot different and it feels a lot more special to me. I don't know if it's because I felt like I was maybe done, uh, you know, I wasn't going to have uh, another match. Um, I'm older. I appreciate it more. I don't know what it is, but this feels—I'm dude—I'm so excited about this. Um, I see people out on Independence having fun. Um, it's changed a lot in the last five years, and some of it's uh, due to social media because social media gives us a platform now to be our own promoter whereas before you needed a machine behind you to promote yourself. Now, dude, I I can spend no money and shoot my own videos if I want to and edit them myself, or I can hire a company to help me, you know, do some videos or, you know, which, what, who do I want to be? What route do I want to go? Like, there's so many options. And, you know, then you have stuff like pro wrestling tees with cameo, all these different avenues that you can go to, to make money, um, and do this now. It just seems so it's refreshing and fun. And I'm dude, I'm like just dying to get back out there and, and, and have fun again, you know? And it just, I guess like, I love traveling. I love going and doing a show meeting, you know, there's promoters out there, the wrestlers out there that I've met over the years, you know, all the guys in Ireland with the, um, like say like, uh, OTT, which that's what this was the American wrestling rampage tour from 2008 shirt. Um, All those guys, you know, uh, Sean Brennan-Maxer and um, Joe Cabre, and Patty Morrow, all those guys um, uh, from that group, like, they're my friends that I met that I barely ever see. But I have such great memories from, like, this tour and, you know, and and having a day off. Having having a day off in Dusseldorf or, or, you know, three days off in Dusseldorf in the middle of a tour and just going to the Christmas markets and having some time to actually enjoy where i'm at rather than okay uh this day i'm in london this day i'm in paris this day i'm in aberdeen like it, you know and it's like when you're with wwe and you're with that with that machine it's just like boom 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 you don't even know where you're at half the time um so i had to be able to get it back out there see the world um and and just have some fun you know and be my own boss like it's it's i'm so excited
1: what I love is that without even how you saying you're excited, you can hear it in your voice. You can see it in your eyes. Like this is this is you coming alive after um, yeah. working working behind the scenes within yeah. WWE for so long. If I can just just ask you because like the the your your departure very much caught us off guard when when we read about it. And I just I'm just curious to know like because you've been doing you've been part of the sister part of the machine as you say for so long. What was was there was there a particular moment where you decided right? that's it, I'm I'm away. Was there a particular moment?
0: It wasn't really one thing. It was just over maybe the last six months to a year. I think it started, you know, during the pandemic when everything shut down, you know, then the releases started happening. I think the releases took its toll on me as a coach and as a person. Um, we're always encouraged to, you know, build relationships with the talent, you know, get them to trust you and and uh, create the relationships. And, and, you know, you do that, And then you're sitting home on a Friday night and all of a sudden your phone starts lighting up and Twitter is blowing up with all of these releases of people that you're just sitting in class with three hours before, you know, and, uh, I think that got you a little bit. And, you know, so that was kind of the beginning of it. And then everything just started to kind of change maybe a year ago, you know, and then people uh, from my tweet, the day that I asked for my release, you know, I put out about the yellow and gold, you know, was, was, was special. And it wasn't, it's, it wasn't so much about the rebranding of the show. The show is what it is, you know? Um, it just, it's just, um, all those people are working hard behind the scenes to make that show happen now and trying to make something out of it, but just something changed. And, uh, the, when the, 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 I'm sorry, I said yellow and gold, the, 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 gold and black, you know, we knew,
1: we knew what you meant. We knew what you
0: meant. It's fine. <laughs> um, it, it's, uh, it, there was just something very special about that, you know. Even in the locker room, like the "We Are NXT" thing was a real thing. That wasn't just a marketing, a marketing slogan, a marketing campaign, whatever you want to call it. That was a real thing that everybody took pride in. And we knew we had something special. It was something that wasn't I had never been around in my time in wrestling. Um, everybody just took a real pride in it. We'd go into, a, you know, we'd go into a SummerSlam weekend or a WrestleMania weekend, and we would steal the weekend. You know, the takeovers would be the best part of the weekend. And nobody can deny that. You know, like, um, those guys would just go out there, guys and girls would go out there and kill it. And there was just even the road shows. You know, I was the main producer on the NXT road shows, traveling shows. Uh, it would always be me and somebody else, but like they, they were special shows. We would always make special moments. Um, and uh, they were fun. You know, we would travel as a group on the buses and uh it was just as opposed to like, you know, Ron Smackdown, everybody has their own cars or tour buses and kind of does their own thing. That's cool too. But, um, we were just, it was, it was, I don't know. It was, it's hard to explain, but there was a special, there was a special thing there. That's it, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: the, and best that
0: we, it just It's. We started to lose that, I think somewhere along the way. And I don't know, you know, Hunter was, was definitely a big part of that, you know, and, and, um, he always said, like, if we could just bottle this, like, we could make millions on it. What we have here, bottle this feeling, and you know, he was absolutely right. You know, and somewhere along the along the line, it uh, it all just went away yeah. for for me, anyways. You know.
1: Have you spoke to to Hunter since uh, you announced that you were leaving?
0: No, I haven't. I, um, I, you know, I've wanted to send him a, a message and thank him because, dude, like, working underneath him, he, the guy is. Um, he's, he's a genius. You know, I would watch him do stuff or come up with ideas and, and, uh, and uh, it's just brilliant, you know, um, it, just because of, you know, the, the, the health reports, I don't want to bug him with my wrestling stuff, you know, but it, like, I, you know, I don't know what kind of condition he's in. I you know, hear he's getting better or whatever, but after the whole heart thing, I don't want to be, you know, bothering with, with my stuff right now, but I am very thankful for him and working underneath them, you know?
1: I mean, from I'm mean, I, I'm nobody in the grand scheme of things, but from somebody who I know is who's who's been in similar health situations, I, I genuinely think that if someone like yourself was to text him and just say, "Hey, thanks for everything. This was really cool. Yeah. I wish you nothing but the best." I genuinely think he'd love that. I really yeah, do. maybe. And it's but it's it's yeah. up, it's up to you whether you do or not. I just think you know yeah. it wouldn't. I think because it's it's so people when when things when when people leave the company like you. You you want people to have these interviews where they go, oh, it's all rubbish, but it's not the case because there's so much love, yeah. and you can see that, and you can hear that when you speak to people like yourself. There's so much love right. that comes from there, and it's it's not it's there's there's no there's no anger. It's just it's a sadness because things change. But
0: yeah, I always, I always and that's right. That's that's what I said. It was like it's 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 uh, we had such a special thing with the with that diversion of NXT that it's almost like a death like going through a death, you know, I don't want to compare it to somebody dying, but it was like, it was like, we lost this huge special thing that we've all worked so hard to have, you know, and they're still working hard. You know, I don't want to take away from what they're doing now. They're still working hard to make it work. And, you know, the new show, it yeah, it's different, but they're giving a lot of young, young people the opportunity to go out there on live TV and prove themselves and, and develop, you know, there's a lot of pressure on that, I guess, on doing it on live television, but but, um, you know, it's, it's great for them, but it's just different. Well, and it's, and so, so, so back to like, it, it, a lot of things played into it though, but all, not only was I seeing that happen, I was seeing, um, guys like Matt Cardona out there doing independent shows and looking like he was having the time of his life, you know, and I reached out to him and he was one of the, the people I reached out to. I said, dude, like what, you know, what do you think I could make? And, uh, you know, is it as good as it looks? And if he's doing like, dude, I'm having the best year of my life. I'm having the, best, the most fun I've ever had. And, you know, and this is what these guys are making. And this is what I think you could make. And, and uh, so that it all just, it was kind of a perfect storm of, you know, it felt like, so this is the funny thing. Like, I felt like in 2007 when I left, I went and did a Ring of Honor show. Um, and I felt like me going out at that point, to a ring of honor show, I was going to be like the enemy, you know, because I'm a WWE guy coming into a ring of Honor. Now I feel like it's so much uh, that the time is so far removed that um, now is this kind of a cool nostalgic feel as I come back, you know? Um, and I don't want to just live up to nostalgia and I've struggled with this over the last month. Like, how do I present who I am? You know, do I try to bite on what I did in the past? Do I, do I, um, try to evolve to some degree and present, you know, me as I would be 20 years later, you know, I don't want to like, okay. Yeah. I could pull off the 2000 look probably. And, but I don't want to be that guy, like just hanging on to that. So I think I'm better off to go the route of, you know, let's, let's, what do you look like 20 years later? How would he work? Like, and I know, and I'm cool with, it's funny in wrestling and I guess it's in entertainment um, in general, but but really at WWE right now is they're on that young kick, you know, 20, you keep hearing like, that. okay, we're not hiring anybody over 25 unless they're special. They've got some specialness to them. So they're really on this young kick. Um, What's wrong with acknowledging? Hey, I'm 48 years old. I've put 32 years into this thing and playing that part into rolling that all into the character. You know, Clint Eastwood, Jack Nicholson, uh, George Clooney—they're all pretty cool dudes, and they're—they're they're older than I am. You know, and they still—they still fit into a story somewhere. You know,
1: it feels like the because there is such a I think a desire from all media outlets to. To target younger audiences, a lot of times the general consensus is, well, therefore, if we want younger audiences, we need younger stars, we need younger actors, younger. And that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you'll know this yourself that you know you you put so much time into the industry before two thousand. Like, but but because you you because Scotty Too Hotty was somebody that was like suddenly so new, you were you were twenty again, essentially. Right. Because right, it was new, right. you don't have to. It's not, it shouldn't be about like biological age, it should be about no, uh, no, like metaphorical age almost,
0: yeah, no. And I'm in great shape, like, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't feel like I could deliver. I don't want to go up there and, and like phone it in and just be there for the paycheck. I want to show up and then I want them to go, like, Wow, like, he looks amazing and he can still go. You know, and uh, you know, I'm training at least twice a day right now. I do hot yoga. I do, I do, um, you know, workouts in the gym. My cardio is going crazy. Um, I feel great, um, and I want to present it in a in a respectable way. You know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't want to be that guy just showing up for a paycheck. Yeah, you know? and that's that's
1: uh, that's a testament too. To to you, that is that you want to be yeah. in a position. That yeah. You want to give something yeah. rather than just, as you say, take a paycheck. I want to be a I want right. to add to this product.
0: Um, Absolutely. Um
1: so by the time this goes out, you will have had your match at GCW against Joey Janella. That'll be yes. in the books, that'll be in the pocket. Um look into 2022. Uh, is there any other matches that you that you can announce? Or if you can't, who Across the industry, would you say you are most excited to to possibly cross paths with?
0: Um, so I would love to work with all of the guys that I had at NXT, the guys that were in my class that that got released. You know, the carrying carrying crosses, the Blake Christian, um, those guys. You know, Alex Zane, all you know, all those guys that were released that uh, never really got a. Uh, uh, a fair shake. I don't think Like the, those are the guys I want to work with. You know, and as, as I released on my goals list, like I want to go to Mexico, I've never wrestled in Mexico. Um, I want to go there, at least wrestle there once, you know, I want to go back to Japan, do that. Um, I want to go back to Australia, coming back to the UK and, you know, there's already, I already have about 10 days lined up over there. Um, Wales, Ireland, uh, Scotland, uh, England, you know, and some of those will be seminars right now, but, um uh, there's gonna be a lot of shows too you know and there's been a lot of interest so hopefully i'll be back you know that's march i'd love to come back in the summertime and do more so uh i had a group reach out to me from poland so that's what i'm talking about dude like i've had people kind of knock me on social media shocking that people knock people on social media i know uh, right they're always (laughs) so nice normally (laughs) And, dude, so it's been 99% positive, everything. Yeah. But see, those little ones stick, those little ones stick oh, out, right? Oh, don't they when just? You, knocked, you can have, right? like, 100
1: people right. say how how wonderful it is to see you back. Right. And there'll be the one guy going, Scott, who? Bit of bugger yeah. And that's all you yeah. think about. That's all you yes. think about. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so I've had people write, like, oh, so you're leaving, like, WWE to go wrestle in bingo halls and church basements? right?" hey you know you know what if it's if it's if it's a if it's a bingo hall or a church basement in some country that i've never been to and i get to meet some cool people that i never would have met otherwise hell yeah i'm there like if it's as long as it's fun and i'm traveling on somebody else's dime and i get to do what i love and see a place that i would have never seen otherwise you know it beats you know just being in orlando every day and and uh, not being happy you know doing uh, a job that i once loved you know
1: It's all about being happy
0: that's it 2022 is all about
1: gosh knows we need it it's all about being happy
0: yeah Yeah.
1: we've got to get to um your your, well we want to we want to shout out where people can find you before we do let's do your third and final match on your desert island we forgot about that part uh Ricky Steamboat and Randy Savage was your first match uh we had uh Mr Perfect versus Shawn Michaels uh from Primetime from the Stars and Stripes special for match two what's your third match going to be Scott?
0: So the third match is something that are a little bit more current, but and I, I don't have a lot of things I can pinpoint in it. All I know is the crowd was electric and it made the match, and that's Gargano Cole Brooklyn. You know, I, I can't even say hey, I don't re- even remember the very many moments in the match. I just know how I felt when I saw it you know, and that's, I think that's an important thing in wrestling. Like, you know, when, you know, when it comes down to moves and, you know, things that happen, like people are going to remember how they felt, not how, what you did necessarily. You know, if you go, okay, I felt awesome, or I felt lousy, or even, even if it's not wrestling, I think, right? Like if you meet somebody, you might not remember what they said, but they you remember how they, how you felt when you were around them, right? So um, it was just one of those matches. It was like, man, like, I want to be out there doing that. I want to be in front of that crowd, you know? Um, so other than that, I don't have a lot of memories of it. it just, uh, and two guys that I love, like, lo- I mean, love, love, love. Like Adam Cole is, um, and and Johnny, both hundred percent professionals. Like never, never, a, I don't have a negative thing to say about either, either one of them. Just uh, great human beings and um, professionals of what they do. So it's such a pleasure to work with both of them.
1: Where would you have been um sort of proximity wise when that match was going down? Were you were you producing NXT at that point?
0: I was working? I was so here's the funny thing. I was actually I wasn't at the show. I didn't see it till um afterwards. Um but I was producing at WrestleMania Access. I was doing matches down the street at Access um that that night. Um and so I didn't see it till afterwards, but just like watching and be like, man, like that's, those are the times you go, oh, man, I wish I was still wrestling, you know, wish I was in front of that crowd. A crowd can make a, a crowd can make a, a match, you know, crowd reactions.
1: I think that's why so many people like yourself went through those, those, those real dark mental spaces during the last 18 months or so, or, or nearly 24 months or so. Where you didn't have crowds to play in front of, and then yeah, it was, oh, it's and it awful. Was, awful. I can't even imagine. It must have oh. just been like telling. It must be like a comedian telling jokes in an empty hall. Like, and they
0: were doing that. Com- comedy co- comedians were doing that, right? Like they were doing oh. Zoom shows from home. Like I had a and friend who was tell, doing them, and, tell, and it, tell, it was just
1: making my heart oh. bleed. I felt oh. so. Oh, I cringed for oh. them. It was horrible. God love them. God love them. The yep. stuff they doing was so good. But oh god. Yeah. I cringed a bit. Yep.
0: No, I would tell my guys and girls, like, I feel for you guys. Like, I don't know how you go out there and do it. I don't know what I would do as, you know, honestly, after 30 years of doing this, like, how do you go out there? Everything I do is r- crowd reaction. Like, I'm just so, at especially at this point, I'm so like, you know, conditioned to play off the crowd, you know, and feed off that crowd. How do you do it when you can hear a pin drop? In the in the building, the you idea know? of not hearing so.
1: the crowd go W O R M, but hearing footsteps. Footstep.
0: Yeah, Footstep. yeah, Footstep. yeah, and yeah, and hear me sucking wind because I'm blown up. <laughs> <laughs> it's not entertaining, you know. Um, so I, you know, I felt for them, and uh, anybody who went through that time, you know, a guy like Drew McIntyre, who was, the, the, you know, basically the top guy of the company, going through that enrollment, and, and like they they deserve all the credit in the world for for getting that company through that time, you
1: Absolutely. know. Absolutely. And, and I'm excited to see. Um, now we're back in front of fans as long as we possibly can. Uh, I'm excited to see what you do back in front of fans as well in 2022. Oh, I can't
0: wait, oh, man. I'm so be, excited to get out there. Yeah,
1: we, we want to get your diary like full to bursting. Annoyingly full. We want champagne problems for Scott in 2022. <laughs> yeah. So um, if people want to get you on their shows, uh, you're in the UK. So what are your dates in the UK? Because I want, I want to make sure you're busy in the UK.
0: As of right now, I'll be there the first weekend in uh, March through, so it's, it's nothing is is there's there's stuff booked, but there's no definite times of when I'm going to get there or when I'm going to leave. I just know that I will be there the first weekend of March and I have to be back in Florida by uh, March 19th for a signing here in Orlando. So I'm still trying to fill stuff in between there. Um, it's I've got it pretty filled up right now, but I have a few days left on it, so um, and if anybody wants to reach out to book anything, it's S2H book s2h booking at gmail.com. And then I, you know, all through my social media and whatnot. There's links. So
1: is there anywhere in the UK that maybe you've kind of roughly got an idea where you're gonna be that you're excited to visit, maybe revisit?
0: Um Liverpool. I'm going in to do the TNT show in Liverpool. Brilliant um on the so the 10th or the 11th uh and then i'll be down in wales on i think the sixth a show um i think i think we're, as of right now scotland's just going to be a seminar but that's of right as of right now but um you know i'll release more details as they as they, as they come out but um like I said, dude, just so excited. I'm glad to go back to Liverpool. I did a show there a few years back, and I didn't get a lot of time there. And I'm trying. I'm trying to. I had at first. It was lined up where it was, you know, it was four days in a row with four four a show every day, like Wednesday, th- uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was in like four different countries, and I was like, dude, I I don't want to do it like this. You know, like I said before, I want some time, so I. The Wales promoter actually moved a show to, I think it's the sixth, Sunday the sixth, I'll be in Wales. And as of right now, that's where it kicks off. But I have Friday, Saturday available, you know, for, as far as show dates, there's like seminars we can do during the week or signings or whatever. So, and that's another thing. Like, I didn't really like or enjoy doing um, seminars before going to the performance center and becoming a coach, but I fell in love with coaching while I was there. So I'm actually looking forward to get it out, getting back out there and doing some seminars and, um, you know, coaching people who have like a real passion and really want to do this. Like it'll be cool. it will be cool for me. Like, I'm just so excited about it all.
1: And if you're lucky um, Scott will wheel in a table uh, a, a TV on a on a table, and he'll and he'll get you to watch Mr. Perfect versus Shawn Michaels from primetime.
0: Everybody should watch it, man. It's it's art. It's the perfect. Uh, what we do is art, and it's the perfect art of, <laughs> of what we do.
1: Uh, it's been honestly, as as somebody as a, as a wrestling fan for as, as a certain of a certain vintage, it has genuinely been the 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 best time chatting to you, Scott. And I can't thank yeah. you enough for making time for cultaholic, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Tom. I appreciate it, man. Hopefully, come on, come on out. then I want to meet you in person. Dude, oh, I'm mate,
1: um, don't, stop, trying and stop me. Well, that sounds really weird. I'm not going to run at you, but I'll be, <laughs> I will be respectfully in the vicinity when you're in the UK. <laughs>
0: awesome, dude. You can you so show me much. how to
1: go. You can show me how to work the pole. <laughs> there you
2: go. <laughs> <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,